0: So 235 of The Sco Show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. And it's a big day here. We're going to deal with the back half of the defense. The second and third levels today is linebacker day and cornerback day, two positions that I think the Patriots will address perhaps really early in this draft. Now, likely more corner than linebacker but there's been a cry for athleticism on the second level and while they have some players on the roster and players waiting in the ruins to perhaps step into increased roles in the 2022 season it still would not surprise me to see them draft a linebacker at some point early in this draft so first half of the show we're going to talk linebackers and you'll hear from me second half of the show i got a special guest lined up who's going to come in Talk about this cornerback group overall and specifically some Patriots players that this surprise guest would like to see make their way to Foxborough. I'm really excited about the second half of the show more than anything else. But before we do anything, your usual complicated reminders. Please follow along with the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. USA Today's Touchdown Wire. My position groups, my top 11 or 16 in the case of wide receiver, are all done in, in the books. And believe it or not, friends, although if you're listening to the show, odds are you probably believe it, I'm getting my watch list ready for 2023. I've got like 14 or 15 quarterbacks already added and, yes, watched for the 2023 draft class. I'm going to be adding more probably as the summer goes on. But I'm doing this because you know how it works. You know the game and the way it's played. The draft ends Saturday night, and you'll get early mock drafts and watch lists. Now, you're not going to get an early mock from me. I waited until May of last year. I think I'm going to do that again. Guys like Trevor Sickenwell, they'll be dropping a mock I'm in your lap. I know it. Maybe even before Mr. Irrelevant comes off the board. But you'll get a watch list from me this Saturday and Sunday um, after the draft to get ready for 2023 because draft day every day, right? So USA Today's Touchdown Wire um, – Blog, blogging the Boys, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation. Um, of course, at Pat's Pulpit here with the Scope Show. But let's dive in. Let's talk live back. If you read my piece, you know where I'm going to start. If you didn't read my piece on this, I will start here. This will be new for you. Last year, it was Elijah Molden. What I mean by that is this. It was near the end of the cycle. I was watching my last crop of players, the cornerbacks, because that's the last position I grew, position group I do. And I watched Elijah Molden, and it sort of re-sparked that love of this sport. The way he played the position, the tenacity, he reminded me of a college teammate of mine. And I just, it made me appreciate yet again how lucky I am to do what I do. Because again, I, I write and talk about a sport that I love. You know, this game of football has meant so much to me. Now I'm getting to coach it a little bit more. So I'm excited about that as well. This year, it was the linebacker group that sort of near the end of the cycle rekindled that love, whether it's the length of Devin Lloyd and the way he can disrupt throwing lanes, whether it's the speed of Nicobe Dean, whether it's the closing speed of a Shannon doll, whether it's the eyes of a Chad Muma, the athleticism and potential of a Troy Anderson. I thought this was a an absolutely fascinating linebacker group to cover. And I think part of the excitement and the intrigue of this NFL draft season is that there's no real consensus at many positions, or even, frankly, any. I've even seen some rumblings that Kyle Hamilton might not be the first safety drafted. You've seen some rumblings that Tyler Lindebaugh might not be the first center drafted. And I think those are positions where we thought, at least a couple weeks ago, that, like yeah, okay, this is the top guy at the position. Now, you can quibble about where they come off the board, whether it's top 10, top 15, top 20, But this is the top guy. Even that seems to be getting stripped away in the final days before the draft. Now, maybe that's classic overthinking. Maybe it's people getting bored. Whatever it is, this lack of consensus has made it a fascinating draft class to evaluate. And as I've said when we've talked about a number of different positions, if you want to tell me that person X, Y, or Z is your top guy at the position, I get it. My top guy is Devin Lloyd, but I have people tell me that, no, they've got two or three other guys right ahead of him and people who I respect and trust, it, it it makes it for a fun draft season. Now, I have Lloyd at one because I know size is not a skill, but his length shows up in so many different ways, whether it's disrupting throwing lanes, whether it's getting after the quarterback. I think he's one. Dean's two. Dean is more of a linebacker safety. Lloyd is more of a linebacker edge. You I think they play the positions differently. They disrupt passing games differently. I think Lloyd and his ability to drop down on the edge where they used him, Utah did, on passing situations. He got some tip interceptions off of the edge. He got some big sacks off of the edge. I think that kind of gives him a nod. Does that mean I prefer pass rush over coverage? No, but I, I, I think, you know, we know edges get sort of pushed up boards. A guy that can give you some of that, I mean, not that he's Micah Parsons, but we saw what Micah Parsons was able to do, both playing off-ball and edge. I think Lloyd gives you that. Dean is just fascinating and explosive. Those two guys are super fun. Linebacker three for me is a bit of a departure from consensus. There are some people that really like him. There are others that don't even view him as a top-ten linebacker, but that's Christian Harris from Alabama. I'm a big fan of his game, guy that played corner tight end receiver in high school that made the move to linebacker. He's athletic versatility he can do zone he can do man he can stack and shed blockers and help you against the run i think there's a question of is he going to give you more than what he's already shown as he reached his ceiling and maybe there are guys that have better ceilings that will come off the board at least from where i sit after him but maybe before him and that's probably why they come off the board earlier but i really like christian harris others don't and that's okay Number four for me is Chad Moomin from Wyoming, who I absolutely adored studying. Some of the best, most enjoyable linebacker film I saw from a disrupting the passing game perspective. His eyes, his awareness, his ability to read out concepts, to study things. To not take the bait when a quarterback's trying to move him with his eyes. But then you see what he does downhill, coming downhill against the run. He can be seen sniffing out screens, working through traffic on rubbing pick concepts, reading the eyes of the quarterback. Just a fantastic player. And he's a case for spot-dropping. I know there's sort of this anti-spot-dropping crusade out there, and I get it. I've been a part of it at times. But bets may he, in his Twitter account, rest in peace, now that he's a professional coach, semi-professional. He's a professional account now, let's put it that way. Um talked about spot dropping before the account went dark and he said, and he's raised this point before and it's resonated with me, take Bobby Wagner. You'll trust Bobby Wagner's spot dropping because it allows him to read stuff out and rely on his experience. Like, oh yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this concept. I've seen this on film. I, I-, I can match it. I think Muma is a case for that as well. His ability to sort of spot drop and read things out. Now, you don't spot drop all the time, obviously, but... I think there's a pro spot dropping case to be made along those lines. And I think Muma is, in part, a case for that. I think he's just, as I said, he's just a damn good football player. Quay Walker is next for me, linebacker five. A lot of people have him above Lloyd, have him rising as a guy that could get in the first round. I'm not quite there. When I put up my report, Mock Draft Database has him in some mocks at New England at 21. Feel, awareness, seems like a solid player. His strength, certainly, explosive athletes, sideline to sideline, can get over the top of trash in a crowded box, both against a run and... Winning coverage. Looks comfortable in space. He'd often be the overhand guy in three by one and four by one looks at times at Georgia. They trusted him in that role. He's active pre snap. You can see him calling out stuff pre snap. Very good player. I just I can't get on board with like the top three linebacker buzz. Others can't, and that's okay. Number six for me, Damon Clark. Again, a player I'm probably higher on. You haven't heard Leo Chenal's name yet. I think Chanel's more of a throwback player. And Clark's probably not going to go anywhere early because he just had surgery for a herniated disc after a combine check showed the herniation. So he had a spinal fusion. But remember, he ran a four five seven with a thirty six and a half inch vertical and a ten seven broad with a herniated disc, which is just yet another reminder that the people we talk about in draft season and all year long these are superhuman. But I really like him. And weirdly enough, I had a late-stage hightower comparison for him with how LSU use him. They put him on the edge at times. A-gap blitzes at times. He sort of got a Hightower vibe. And again, different players. Brian Asimov, the Oklahoma guy, is seven for me. You get Chennault at eight, which other people really like him. I just quite get... Can't quite get... I, I, I think... He reminds me of Juwan Bentley... And Bentley carved out a better role in coverage than we expected, and maybe Chenault can do that. Troy Anderson, for me, is 9. Another player I really sort of love to watch. Just so athletic and still learning the position. Shannon Tindall at 10, a guy that I said, look, you might draft him just to spy the quarterback on 37 because Georgia did that with him and did it really well. And Giorgio Dumont, the Nebraska safety-slash-linebacker. Watch his game against Ohio State. Just fascinating, Tate. Just Change of direction skills, reading out concepts, moves extremely well. So, in terms of New England at twenty one, I'm okay with Lloyd. I'd be okay with Dean, but I don't see them doing it. Just because, as as people have talked about on the Slack channel and elsewhere, like he he's undersized. I I just don't see them drafting Dean at twenty one. If we get a trade down and they slide into the late twenties, then perhaps I could see it but I don't see it there at 54 pretty much anybody in the top eight or nine probably top eight because that gets you chanel in there as well I'm okay with draft any of those guys at 54 I'm completely fine with it frankly I think they'd love leo chanel and if he's there at 54 they have an address linebacker 21 like is it a run to the podium situation it's a It's a brisk walk to the podium situation if they do that. At 85, that brings you Troy Anderson, Shannon Tindall, and even Domon for Nebraska into play in my mind. Brandon Smith as well, who was just outside the top 11. Like I'd be fine with any of those guys at 85. But it's a fascinating linebacker group. Uh, Sort of rekindled my love for this sport, for this game, for for studying players, really enjoyed watching them. You can check out the piece at USA Today Touchdown Wire if you haven't already. I've got video clips and all sorts of fun stuff. And as I keep saying, look, I've got – I know we didn't do – I know last year we we did some quarterback study um, Zoom sessions with me involved uh, pre-draft. My plan now is post-draft to do some study, let you guys watch some really cool stuff that I can – get access to uh, once we know who's in town so we'll figure that out post-draft but you can check out that piece and all the stuff that Doug Ferrar and myself have done on the top players at each position as well as Laurie Fitzpatrick with her in depth breakdowns on players you can check all that stuff out uh touchdownwire.usatoday.com up next we shift gears we talk corners another position that Patriots are probably going to address at some point in this draft and as I said we have a special guest coming on to dive into that. Very excited about this discussion we're going to have. That's next. You're on episode 235 of the SCO show. And welcome back to episode 235 of the SCO show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit podcast network and brought to you by the fine folks at SB nation. And in the first half of the show, we covered linebackers and I also tease that we have a very special guest to come on and talk cornerbacks with me today, because as We all know if you're listening to this show, you know, it's probably likely Patriots might address corner at some point, maybe early in this draft. And for those of you that are members of the Scosho Slack channel, you probably recognize this game. For those of you who aren't members of the Scosho Slack channel, this might be the impetus to finally get you over the hump and get you to sign up. Because enough of me talking about it. Let's hear from somebody who has not only been a a mainstay in the Scosho Slack channel, but has also put together... An incredibly impressive breakdown of scouting reports of the top corners in this draft, which you can view on insidethepylon.com right now. He's a a proud mainstay of the Show Slack channel. That is Mr. Josh Bowman. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm wonderful, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. And as I said, folks, you can check out Josh's scout reports on these, on these corners that we're going to talk about at inside the pylon.com. You can also follow him on the lovely bird app at chaotic cord and Josh, before diving into the corners, let me ask you this, what sort of prompted the idea for you to study corners? Cause you study all these positions, but you really dive deep into corners. So what sort of started, what, what was the, the sort of prompt for that for you?
1: Well, it kind of actually started with, um, with joining up with the Slack channel. Uh, I've been in there, I guess, three or four years now. um, And it kind of seemed like the positions other than Corner uh, were kind of taken up by several of the other guys in there. And, you know, they say that Corner is one of the more difficult ones to to break down and to watch the film on. And I'm never one to shy away from a challenge. So it just kind of grew from an idea to what it is now.
0: Well, and let me sort of go through, as they say, your methodology, right? Like, like what's your process? What's your grading system for studying and grading these corners? Well, I think the process
1: is the easy part. Um, so I start out probably mid-July, um, kind of looking at some of the college programs who their eligible guys are, Uh, doing some early browsing of the tape Uh, i kind of try to stick to the seniors that are coming out first um you know guys in their last year of eligibility ones that we know are likely going to come out in the draft um there's not really anything worse than putting you know 10 or 20 hours early on into a guy and then finding out close to draft season that he's going back to college um so once that class kind of becomes clearer i kind of start to narrow it down um then when we, once we have an idea of uh who the kids are they're going to declare early i'll start to kind of have an idea of who i need to hone in on um, and then once we really start to see the guys that are going to declare um, that are maybe underclassmen uh, juniors they'll get added into the group so by Probably by the end of the college season, I've got it narrowed down to about 50 or 60 players. Uh, and then usually pre-combine, I've got it narrowed down to about 35 or so, uh, which really is the base for my, uh, for my grading. And, and um, so, as far as... The,
0: yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Speaking of the grading, like how do you sort of break down the grades you put on these guys?
1: Okay, well, the grading system... Um, and I told him that I was going to mention him, uh, John kind of steered me, John Limbarakis kind of steered me toward the inside the pylon scale, which is something that I know uh, a lot of people use in, uh, in the industry. And I know that John and Dave are both big fans of, um, it didn't really make sense to me at first. Uh, so I kind of looked at, um, kind of a, set of critical skills that I look for in corners when I'm watching tape. Uh, So I kind of broke it down as man coverage, zone coverage, press, outside alignment, inside alignment, tackling and run support together, footwork, pass breakup and ball tracking together, and then awareness and football IQ is the final one. Um, Then I kind of weighed them against each other uh and you know kind of uh, came up with a way to grade on a curve for each one so not everyone is weighted the same which you can see um in the island if you go and look at it and then from that point i built an ex- a, uh, excel spreadsheet that you know basically i punch numbers in and you know what i feel the grades are uh and it will give me a final grade.
0: So let's start diving into these players then. And again, I would, as Josh just said, you can check all this out. The Island over at insidethepylon.com. Sort of start a big picture. Then we'll sort of funnel things down to a Patriots focus. Who are your top corners in this draft and why?
1: Okay. Well, I think any cornerback discussion in this class has to start with Eric Singley. Um, you know, he's sticking in man coverage. He has that prototypical size and athletic profile. Um, He's a solid tackler, really a ball hawk. Uh, You know, really the only criticism that I had of him was, what are you going to get? Are you going to get that 2019 guy? Are you going to get 2020, 2021? Does he stay healthy? Uh, You know, he's kind of far and above for me, number one. And then we get to where I got some some backlash going through this. Uh, Number two, I have Andrew Booth. Um, You know, it was pretty close with him and and Ahmad Gardner. As a matter of fact, on my scale of 1,000 points, five points difference. Oh, wow. Yeah. So with Andrew Booth, you know, another great man coverage corner, aggressive, physical, high motor, good tackler, good ball skills he's a, you know, what you're going to get with him. I'm not super concerned about those injuries. You know, there is some, some concern I've seen, you know, on Twitter, on other places, um, about those pre combine injuries. There was a lot of core muscle and then the uh, hamstring pull. Um, and I don't really know how high his ceiling is, you know, and then, of course, Clemson ran fairly simplistic zone coverages right. this season. So you're kind of projecting at that point with him. And then the third and last guy would be mud Gardner. Uh, I think he's more a zone guy. Um, you know, he squeezes routes really well. High-level understanding of route concepts. High motor, again, really competitive. Uh, prototypical size and athletic profile you know, consistent pass coverage. He's not really out of position that often that I saw on the tape, Uh, you know, but with that uh, highly competitive nature of his and his aggressiveness, he can be grabby at the top of routes. So, you know, each of those guys has some blemishes. I don't think there's a a flawless prospect here, Uh, but those three I would say are my top. Uh, on my board.
0: Let me follow up with this. Who then would be the next guy in your class? Because it seems like for most, those are the top three in whatever order people put them in. It seems like the divergence really starts at four. Some people might go Elam. Some people might go McDuffie. Where do you go next after the top three? And I don't think you
1: can go wrong with either McDuffie or Elam. I, I believe I had them pretty closely graded together. Um, you know, I would, it's hard for me to break from that, from that Patriots mold. Um, you know, I have concerns with Elam with, uh, with his tackling, um, and, you know, concerns with McDuffie certainly as well, but I would probably put McDuffie there uh, as, as far as number four.
0: Now, who's a corner Josh that, You know, and you could put this either Patriots specific or non-Patriots and sort of just big picture that you feel that you're a little bit higher on consensus than consensus and why.
1: Okay. Well, I think the guy that I'm probably higher on than most, uh, you know, obviously I'm higher on Booth than a lot of people, but I think that's a little unfair because he's going to probably go in the first round. So the guy that I'm highest on um, that a lot of people aren't, is probably Elante Taylor from Tennessee. Um, Good long speed. Uh, I think the kid just about runs out of his shoes. Uh, You know, wide receiver uh, until 2018. You know, some guys have played that position since middle school, cornerback. So I think that some of the issues he has are technique, and he'll get there. Uh, You know, footwork needs to improve some, but he's a good tackler for a guy that's new to the position. Good impressed press coverage, gets his hands in quickly. I think that he would be a good developmental fit for a lot of teams.
0: I, I, Josh, I'm so glad you mentioned him because he was a guy that made my top 11. And I, I saw a lot of the same things there that you did, and especially the background as a receiver. So he's relatively new to the position. Let me sort of stick on him for a second. Obviously, later rounds, but would you be happy if the Patriots came out of this draft having added Taylor at some point later in the draft?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, I have some concern with them taking zone corners, obviously. You know, I hope that that isn't the direction that they are headed. Uh, But if you're heading in a zone direction, you could do a whole lot worse. I figure that he's probably a third round developmental, kind of that high tier of the developmental corners in this, in this class.
0: So let me flip the script. Now you, you've just talked about Taylor, a guy you're higher on who's a guy, whether it's, you know, league wide or just pet specific that you are a little bit lower on the consensus. I know you mentioned sort of Garner, um, but is there anybody else in this group that you might be a little bit lower on than consensus?
1: Well, I think the guy that I'm lower on the consensus uh, and I think I've made this pretty known for people that uh, that have talked to him before, is uh, Kyrie Lim from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like him in coverage. I have, I have uh, issues and concerns with his tackling first. Um, I think he's inconsistent. And I worry whether that's technique or that's just, the player that he is, whether it's something that could be coached out or not. Uh, I don't quite have him graded as low in tackling as I did uh, J.C. Horn last season. Mm -hmm. But there's something to be concerned about there. Uh, The more concerning thing to me is that there were several instances on tape um, where you see him gearing down when he doesn't think he's in a play. Uh, and that worries me quite a bit. Uh, I think, you know, if you end up in the right situation with the right coaching staff, I think that can be resolved. But that's pro- that's projection.
0: Yeah. Let's get to the Patriots part of this now. Obviously, a lot of discussion in and around New England. The Patriots will address corner at some point, maybe a couple of times in this draft, even. Who are your best fits for the Patriots in this draft? And obviously, look, we have this idea that they might be going to more zone. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. You know, with that in mind, who are your best fits for New England?
1: Well, I'd love to sit here and say Derek Stingley, Right. But right. that's that's fairly unlikely. Um, so I kind of have three guys here. Uh, and if you look at, at my grading on this, you'll see a guy on there that isn't what most people consider to be a corner um but he is in this group so first i'm going to go with andrew booth Uh, and again as i mentioned earlier you know good size athletic good man coverage he's a great tackler well good tackler um needs to clean up some of the inconsistencies there Uh, aggressive intelligent high motor kind of seems like the things that bill loves um You know, I've heard some concerns over, again, the injuries and only being a starter for a year. You know, he would be my choice at 21. Oh, nice. Uh, The second guy is the one that I um, mentioned a little bit ago would be Daxton Hill. There's some projection to that in whether or not he could play outside right um i think the athletic profiles there the size is there the tenacity the play strength all seem to be there um but i think michigan used him in the slot because he was their most athletic player right you know they they had a guy in hawkins that could play free safety. So they didn't really need him there. And he was the most athletic corner on the field. So he played in the slot. So there's some projection there, but I think he would be a good fit. And the last guy I have on my list is Kyler Gordon. Um, I know he's he's not prototypical size and his 40 time was a little bit disappointing. Um, but I think his game's really about explosion, right? You know, he, he's got fantastic short area quickness yeah. and he's mean in press, you know, and Belichick has shown, you know, that 40 time, maybe it doesn't matter quite as much as the agility, you know, Joe on Williams ran, you know, mid four, six, but a sub seven second three count. Right. So that's a possibility, and I think you could get him early second if you trade back.
0: Yep. Let me ask you this, Josh. Um, you you mentioned. Uh, with Gordon, that meanness in press. Who were some other guys in this group that when you watched, you thought sort of stood out with press coverage, press alignment?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there were a few guys, um, you know, I, I worried about this class in press. Um, you know, there's a few, the Bama corner, Armour Davis, you know, has a lot of aggression in press coverage. You know, he's probably going to be a second-round pick. Booth, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I didn't really care for either of the Cincy guys that much in press. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few guys that um, – em- Martin Emerson from Mississippi State would be another one. He's probably going to be a third-round pick. Uh, I don't love – the 40 time, but again, sub seven second free count.
0: A name that jumped out of me, because in the end of the island, you've got sort of like some superlatives and a mm-hmm. name that I'd love for you to talk about a little bit and sort of educate people on player to watch Joshua Williams, Fayetteville State. Talk to us for a minute about Joshua.
1: Okay, so another small school guy, and there are quite a few in this class that are kind of unheralded schools that you don't see draft picks from a lot. Um, You know, he is, when you talk about an alpha corner, he's got that mentality. Um, You know, he's got the size, he's got the power. Didn't run a fantastic 40, but again, you know, How much stock do we put into that if it's efficient? Um, Physically imposing. I mean, absolute, you know, just mean. (laughs) It's the best way to describe that. Um, There is worry about the transition from D2. Yeah. So, again, he's another of those guys that it's a... It's a projection, um, and he was, if I remember correctly, uh, dual sport in high school, football and track. Was a wide receiver at one point. You know, he does have special teams experience, so you know he'll stick to a roster. I think.
0: Yeah. No, I was I was very intrigued when you were you know reading your report on him and. You know, the background, and you certainly mentioned the size, got incredible size for the position. Josh, let me ask you this your dream scenario for New England, whether it's corner specific or draft specific, however you want to answer it, but your dream scenario for the Patriots this draft season?
1: Realistically, I would like to see them double dip in the first and early day three. Um, What I'm talking about there is, you know, a Booth or a Gordon early. So 21 or a trade back. Yeah. And then, you know, Michigan's Vincent Gray is a big physically imposing guy, kind of in that Joe 1 Williams mold or even a Caleb Evans for Missouri. Yeah. You know, former Tulsa guy. We know that they like those big, physical, imposing corners. Um, I think that the idea here is to add talent and youth. You know, I don't, I don't know that they have the bodies that they need. Um, you know, Mills, Butler, Jones, Mitchell—you kind of know what the ceiling is there, and the only. only unknown guy really is sean wade right i don't know how much he moves the needle
0: josh this has been fantastic let me get you out of here on this one you mentioned that you sort of start your process in july but as you were going through i'm sure there were guys that caught your eye so do you already sort of have a watch list for next season's draft cycle and if so who are some names that I should add to my watch list when I put that out for USA Today in a couple of weeks?
1: I'd like to tell you that I haven't been watching them, but I'd be lying. Right. Um, so I have three guys here. Um, the first one on that list would be Travius Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. Uh, that is actually Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew. 59175 missile. Physical. Aggressive, a lot of fun to watch. Another one of those small ECU, just, you know, a real, real fantastic watch. Um, second guy there, another uh, family member of a former football player uh, would be Joey Porter Jr. at Penn State. 6'2", 192. Physical, aggressive, again, uh, nasty corner. I mean, he in press especially, he is I – mean, he's going to draw flags. That's the problem. This, he's just that physical. But he plays like his dad playing corner. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, then the other one, because I like to throw in a guy that people might not have heard of, would be Teja Young from Florida Atlantic. 5'11", 190. Um, He tackles like a safety. I mean, he comes downhill. Um, Strong blitz are off the edge, too. So There's some versatility there. High intelligence. Good anticipation. You know, I'm really excited to see what he does this year.
0: Well, if you heard right there, people, I was scratching out, taking notes. Um, I hope you were, too, because that's a tremendous – You know, group of three to get started with for the next year's cornerback class from Josh. Josh, I cannot thank you enough, man, for coming on. People, please check out the island over at InsideThePylon.com. Josh, anything else you want to plug while you got the chance? Nope, that's it. Well, there we go, folks, please. Check out the island. Give Josh a follow on Twitter at Mark uh, at Mark Schofield at Chaotic court and friends. Look, that's right there. If that doesn't sell you on joining the Sco Show Slack channel to get insight like that on a day in and day out of basis, I don't know what else will sell you on it. So please, if you want to get an invite, hit me up on Twitter at Mark Schofield for the invitation, or you can reach out via email: pylon.com. I know I've got some people that reached out earlier this week. I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But folks. That will do it for today's show. I will be back Monday for the final mock draft Monday of this draft cycle. So get those mocks in. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. And bless those Patriots' reigns. Down in box.